Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, really quick, if you can, we're almost at a hundred five-star, or close to five stars, but we're almost at a hundred reviews on iTunes. If you could, please, it would mean the world to me if you could just leave me a review to let me know how I'm doing. Uh, it helps me out a lot, makes me, it helps me to make sure I'm providing you guys with the good content, and if not, then I can pivot, right? So if you can, even if you want right now, maybe you're at a stoplight, maybe you're just sitting down, maybe you're at work, whatever, just press pause really quick and just go leave me a, a, a five-star, <laughs> preferably five-star, but go leave me a review on iTunes and let me know how I'm doing. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Awesome. So guys, in this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Jenny Citrin. So my business, I mean, I'm so startup practice, yeah. but everyone's business is different, right? And everyone, what do people want for their business is different. I'm shooting for a smaller boutique style, fee for service, keep it like low stress. Not, I don't want, I have one hygienist now and I want more, hmm. uh, at least not for the next four years. Yeah. So I'm not like a, we're not trying to grow big. I'm, and right now we're actually in the process of dropping all PPOs, which I started and I took most. I did, I did contract negotiations, I think with PPO profits. Mm -hmm. So I started with a lot of insurance because I was too scared to go without and try to start deeper service. And I'm still glad I did because I don't think I had the stomach for that. But now, you know, over the next, by this year, December, we'll be out of network with all PPOs. such a great person. She's really awesome to speak to and to get to know. And so I'm excited for you guys to get to know her too. She went to Tufts. So where are my Tufts people at? Whoop, whoop. And her story has a bit of resilience in it or grit. She didn't give up. She had one goal and went for it until she got it. And you'll notice that pattern throughout her journey. Uh, she worked at a couple practices prior to opening up her own. And she lets us know what she learned from each location and which practice was her favorite and why and which one wasn't, right? Which practice she just totally felt uh, bombed her, right? And one of the reasons or one of the practices was her favorite was because she felt very valuable in the community. It wasn't, I don't know, I didn't ask, but it wasn't like, I don't, I'm assuming it's not because of the money, you know what I mean? All that stuff or it's the closest location to me. No, very valuable. And that's something we should keep in mind. We want to make everyone feel valuable, especially our patients and team. And then she lets us know which procedure she absolutely hates doing and why. Uh, we also discuss why did one of the practices she worked for let her go. And then we dive into her business and, and her practice. And we discuss how she started off in this journey of practice ownership, right? We talk about how she found her location, loans. Uh, we get into specific numbers. And we also discuss what were the worst parts that still linger on till today. We also talk about how staffing right now has been one of her biggest issues and how she's coping with it and how COVID-19 actually made her business thrive. It's interesting. And she's also currently getting around 30 to 49 new patients a month and she's growing and scaling. So, so much going on for Jenny. Guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Jenny Citrin. Jenny, how's it going? It's 
going pretty good today. Not seeing patients, so feeling relaxed, getting some stuff done. That's good. If you don't mind me asking, where are you located at? I am in Acton, Massachusetts, which is about 40 minutes northwest of Boston. Gosh, I hear it's like super beautiful over there. Yeah, it is beautiful. We have a lot of outdoor space, but still easy access to the city. It, was there a survey that was like Massachusetts is like the number one or number two most expensive place in the... Wouldn't be surprised. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's very expensive. One bedroom apartment. How much does that run for over there? In Acton or... I mean, in Acton, I have no idea. I want to say yeah. 1500 Okay. Okay. Kind of like LA then. Or yeah. A little bit like that. That's nice though. You don't know because you own a mansion. I get it. No worries. <laughs> so, I understand it, dog. <laughs> but awesome, Jenny. I appreciate your time. And really quick, if you can tell us, tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? Okay. So um, how far back? As far back as, as you want to go. Okay, so I grew up in Florida and I went to undergrad. I did at University of Miami. I did uh, biomedical engineering. Both of my parents are physicians, which kind of led me on the having patients path or being a doctor. Um, had two years in between undergrad and dental school because I only applied once I finished and then I did not get into my first year. And then I went to Tufts. And met my husband up here, um, did a residency at UVM, did two years in like um, serving like mass health, which is like doing like relatively public health, but in a private practice in the Berkshires, which is pretty rural. Then moved to this area, worked for a couple of years for in a couple of private practices. Um, and yeah, I kind of just like to have things be my way, I guess. So decided to have my own business. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. When you didn't get in the first year, mm -hmm. were you thinking, well, let me, let me test some other things out? Yeah. You know, I think the first year when I didn't get in, I was on it. I was, there was no question I was going to apply again. I had kind of planned on that as an eventual, as a possibility. I didn't have such a high GPA in undergrad. I did biomedical engineering. Um, that was not weighted at all in my favor. So yes, I took, you know, much harder classes than I needed to and suffered the GPA consequences for that. And dental schools did not care that you know, they, they were like 100%, it's just about your GPA. We don't care that you took way harder classes. Um, so it was, it was that. But um, the second year, I actually didn't get in, you know, that December 1st, when they, you first get out, like get accepted. Or I think it's when you first get acceptance or maybe you get, yeah, I think that's when you first can get an acceptance letter. And I got a waitlist letter two days before that. And then I got no acceptance letters on December 1st. And at that point, my mom said to me something like, you know, maybe you should reconsider. And I was, I mean, devastated. Mm. So I was really, really devastated and started to think maybe I will have to rethink this. Um, and luckily, a couple weeks later, or maybe a month later, uh, I got an interview at Tubbs and then got an acceptance a few days later, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. What did you have a plan B just in case or no? I did not. Actually, when I didn't get in the first year, I started doing a master's program in food science. 
because it's like they want like the schools want to see that you're doing the mass. I don't know what they wanted, but that was what I heard is, you know, start a mass search program. And I actually stopped. I quit something, which is probably the first thing I ever quit. I quit food science after the first semester because I was like, you know, I'm never going to do this. This is so such a waste of my time and energy. Even if I don't get to dental school, I am not doing this. I think if I hadn't gone to dental school uh, again, I might have pursued public health. Um, but I had no idea. Yeah. I had to finish that soul searching of like redirecting. Yeah, it's okay. And food science, you were just super over it. Oh, man. I mean, Why? no offense to food science. <laughs> For me, it was like, gosh, I don't like this at all. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, then fast forward a little bit. You said you worked in a rural area? Yeah, I worked in a pretty rural area. Fairly low income, um, mostly like state benefits. And I really liked it because I felt very valuable in that community. And it was a nice way to come out and feel like I was needed. I did a lot of fillings, like a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I was there for about two years. Um, my boss was nice. She was supportive. I did also a lot of extractions. I don't do any extractions now. That was when I really solidified the fact that I do not want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, it was, it was good. It was a different, definitely very different than I am doing right now. But I think it was a good place to start because I got a ton of experience just doing bread and butter. Why? Why don't you like extractions? My hands shake, honestly. I don't shake normally, but something about doing extractions, they freak me out. I actually say I graduated without, from dental school without doing a single extraction. And I probably, this is one of those things that you shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I just had other people do my extractions and I got them signed off because we had okay. 10, but I didn't do them. They always freaked me out. I thought once you do you know, so many, you would be comfortable with them. And it's not like I can't do it. I can do it. But I just hate, I just like, I pray every single time. I don't know why. They just freak me out. I yeah. also didn't do endo for similar reasons. It's just, just not my thing. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, like you have to be able to do these things and you're going to want to know how to do them. And the person I worked for in that rural community was very into like doing everything and a lot of people say, oh, you don't want to have to send that somewhere else. You don't want to lose the money. And I'm like, I just don't like it. Like, why am I going to do, why am I going to live my life doing something I don't like to do? I'm just going to do the things I do like to do. Yeah, that's true. Huh. But even after doing all those extractions, you still felt. So like, many. I can do an extraction just fine. Cheat them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just saw like a number 16, super simple extraction. I was like looking at it, thinking maybe, I mean, it would take me a second. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> just like I hate it. You're like, no, I'm going to yeah. refer you out or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Oral surgeons probably love me though, because I send them so many super easy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Endodontists. I send them all the easy stuff. That's interesting. Why'd you leave? So you love the rural area. I mean, that's a good yeah. feeling to feel valuable, right? In the community. Yeah. And why'd you decide to? Yeah. Main, so two main reasons. One was my husband wasn't able to find a job in that area. And now he works from home. So, <laughs> but um, that was one main one. And then the other is that my family lives in Florida and there was only one direct flight out a day to see them. 
And it was in an airport that was an hour and a half from us. And, you know, it just seemed like it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. How often do you visit your family now? Well, there was a pandemic. <laughs> no way. And I have a three-year-old and we're still not willing to go on an airplane with her. So oh. it's been, I mean, I haven't been on a flight in three years since I had her because I was starting a business. Then I had her, then there was the pandemic. and Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was none of it ever had to do with like, oh, I want, I feel like I'm outgrowing this area or like, uh, you know what I mean? No, no. I loved that area. I would have bought a practice there. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. And so then now, and then fast forward a little bit more, you worked for a couple private practices, right? Yep. Uh, did you ever work in corporate or no? Uh, relatively. I, I worked for an office that had probably like six offices. Six offices? So, yeah. They had like six. Is that corporate? If you had six offices, would you be corporate or? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on what you, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> could, know. Be, could be, could hey, be. No, I have never worked for corporate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the private practices that you worked for, did you love them? Did you not like them? Would you learn from them? Would you hate from them? Yeah. So again, that first practice I was in was probably my favorite of the feel. I just felt like it was family and I felt very supported there. Um, other practices. Yeah. One of them, I just felt like they didn't love me for whatever reason. And actually other main one that I worked at, I worked there for about three months and they let me go. And I could, you know, have thoughts on why, but uh, yeah, didn't work out. I felt like I learned a lot there. It was actually like run by Pross or like the owner was a prosthodontist. So I felt like I was learning a lot and I was happy. I was planning on being in that position for about two years and then buying. But then when they let me go, it kind of was like, okay, time to really start planning on buying now or starting. Why do you think they let you go? I I have two theories. Mm -hmm. One is that they hired me to cover someone's maternity leave and be prepared for a new practice transition. So like to have an extra doctor for the eventuality that they were going to have this other opening in a practice that they were acquiring. And the other, and then it didn't pan out. And then the other one was that I have a way of speaking the truth a little bit too much. (laughs) So maybe I'm a little bit too outspoken. I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut when I see things that uh, I think are not right. So. But past, like what were the things that you saw? Well, I think there were. I mean, I can't remember all of them. I mean, I think there were a few, honestly, because I think it was a practice that was growing quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe they were not focusing on certain things that... Anyways, so one of them was like a sexual harassment. And honestly, as a female, there's been multiple... I have, like I'm thinking back, there's three different situations when I was over her or was a part of sexual harassment in, in that dental workplace. Wow. So I speak up, like I have no ability to keep my mouth shut. If I see something wrong, especially if it's towards someone else, I'm not going to be stay quiet. <laughs> and the other thing, well, in that practice that might have, I forget the other things. I think I might have pointed out that maybe infection control or HIPAA, I don't know. But maybe I spoke out a little bit too much. Bit too much with pain in the butt. <laughs> oh, <we, laughs> <I'm gonna> <laughs> that's good. That's good. The, the harassment was that done towards you or the employees? 
So um, one of them was towards another, like, was between two employees asking about someone's sexual orientation or like making implications about it. One was when I was in residency, which actually was one person, I think I was like two, two of the attendings mm-hmm. that were giving like extremely inappropriate jokes, one to my co-resident and one towards me. And uh, another one was, which isn't actually sexual harassment, but like someone rubbing my belly when I was pregnant and saying something about it and having... You know, no one wanted to like, again, that, okay, you're not supposed to be like really touched. I don't like to be touched. Like, yeah. I'm boss. Yeah. My boss's father, actually. Like, yeah. I'm sorry that I do not want anyone rubbing my belly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah. And so maybe I have some personal space <laughs> desires that, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. It's weird. Like, if somebody yeah. walks up and you rubs your belly, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Do, I, do I know you? Do what's happening? <laughs> it's like, think about it in my sense. I'm like, no, I'm just, just the gut for me. No, don't rub it. Yeah, yeah no, like you're not going to go around rubbing someone's belly. Like <laughs> rubbing some other wound. You're just not going to touch them. Like, I can, I can see how that's. Yeah. I can totally understand that. Which, I mean, it's fine. But like, can we just all agree to not do that in the future? <laughs> yeah, I know. Unless like, she's like, yeah, free rubs or whatever. Right? Yeah. And then, yeah. no, I, I totally understand. Now, on the second one, you said you felt like they just didn't love you there. Yeah. Why? Um, that was the one where it got my belly rubbed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe that was an upset for them. You know, maybe that me point again, me, I will never keep my mouth shut. It's completely impossible. My husband will attest to that. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that just rubbed them the wrong way that I spoke up about it. You know, that they maybe were a group of people who agreed to look the other way. I'm not sure. Maybe. But then... Um, the other reason I thought that I wasn't loved is because I started getting written up for things mm-hmm. while I was pregnant. I think probably she wanted to let me go, but wasn't able to because, you know, was worried about it because I was pregnant, which I would have rather you just been like, hey, like, we just don't love you here. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just not working out. And it's fine. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's not working out. I'd rather that than like have passive aggressive, like notes written about me, about how a patient didn't like me, so. that That's what the write-ups were about? Like, oh, a patient didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, to me, they were hard to follow. Um, I tried to, you know, take it on and make changes as was being requested of me, but also knew that it seemed like if you're writing someone up, you probably are just trying to get rid of them. It's mm-hmm. not like you're really wanting them to make a change is how I felt. It's not like they were like, okay, you know, like, let's work together and have this be better. Yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. I just felt like I wasn't, I was maybe the wrong person for them. But then also now that I'm an owner, I definitely can see things of, of ways that I wasn't the best employee. Like I wasn't, you know, maybe working as hard as they would have wanted to or be diligent about certain things. So yeah, I, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I don't, I didn't need for them to want to keep me, but I would have rather the bit a little bit more up front. <laughs> yeah. But it's nice to like work at places where people like you, you know what I mean? And yeah. respect you and all these things. Like it's not, it's not a bad thing to ask. Oh, for. It's, yeah. And it's like, I'm trying, like I'm nice to everyone. I, you know. Yeah. I would have, I would have been like, but, you know, <laughs> like, I would have been super, no, but it's good. It's good. It's good. You know what I mean? That you, yeah. 
you learn from this and everything like that. Uh, maybe why at least you can see like a different perspective viewpoint now that you're an owner too. Let's dive into that a little bit. Like, have you always wanted to own your own practice or, or this came when? I think I always foresaw myself owning practice. Okay. Yeah. And I think getting into being an associate, oh, there was actually one more associateship I had that I was just working like one to two days. And that was at a pedo practice when I was like the only general dentist and they were like breaking on more adults. They were trying to like expand the adults. That was actually like the best. <laughs> it was the best associateship that I've had because I was kind of just like on my own and like everyone was happy to see me and I was, yeah, liked and appreciated it. Everyone was nice and seemed like they actually wanted me to be there. So that was really nice. Like I was a good fit for the practice. Yeah. So I feel like that one maybe was the only one I could have seen myself growing my own practice inside of. I felt like I had enough autonomy that I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> I worked for a lot of, you know, state or like smaller businesses. And with just having the owner above you, the owner often wants you to be them. And you never are going to be them. So it feels like you're constantly distributing. And I hate to be a disappointment. So I think that having the associateships just kept making me think, yeah, like I'm not exactly fitting in. I don't feel like what I have to offer is, can be offered here. I don't feel like people can really appreciate what I have and what I can give. It'll never be able to be as, as successful or make as much of a difference as I can. Mm -hmm. um, under these other businesses. Got you. There's like a, a thing throughout all your associates. Now that you're telling me where you just want to feel appreciated. Yeah, very, apparently. Mm -hmm. You don't want to disappoint. You yeah. don't want to feel appreciated. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that's really funny. They, that's, I just had my therapy session before this, but here we'll just have another one right now. I know. <laughs> cool. That's good. That's good. No, but we, who doesn't, right? Nobody ever wakes up and is like, today I don't want to feel appreciated. Nobody does that. Uh, yeah. We do. That's interesting. Okay, so then that's an interesting, actually, strategy. Did you feel like they were getting a lot of new patients that way? Like, oh, now that we're expanding to adults, the parents. Yeah. Know. Yeah, right? Yeah. I felt like that was a good strategy. And yeah, I think that they did get a decent amount. Okay, cool. So then in your business, uh, when you started out, when you actually, well, let's rewind even further back before that. What was the, which bank did you go with for your loan? BOA, Bank of America. Was that your first option or? I think I also did Wells Fargo. You know, I got like an offer from them. And then mm -hmm. I think I had also done as a TV bank, maybe. that I'd also tried to get a loan with. Yeah. Okay. And then you decided to go with Bank of America because? I think it was probably the best offer and also the banker that I was working with. I really liked him and I still do. You know, I know a lot of people have bad experiences with Bank of America. I haven't had any issues with them for the most part. The banker that I had originally started with, he ended up moving. So he's not actually my person anymore. And the person who took over is much lesser. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, the original one I really liked and was very good. I'm actually in the process of refinancing or actually just doing a, a rate reduction. I just became eligible. Oh, okay. Okay. Does, how do you become eligible for that? For my loan, it was two years of payments. Mm -hmm. And then you just, at this, you know, the rate reduction is just, okay, what are the rates at that point? And Bank of America or maybe other banks as well will give you just a reduction in the rate without you having to like refinance. So it's not like there's any fees associated with it. I think it's like a way of them to retain you because they know that you could leave and get a different rate somewhere else. 
Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that that was even an option type of deal. Yeah. Okay. So then if you don't mind me asking, if you want, you can give me the exact number or a good range, but like how much was the loan for? I want to say 550. Did you use it all? Oh, yeah. And I am like, I didn't like make a mansion of a business. Okay. Uh It was expensive and I tried so hard. I mean, so hard to keep the cost down. Like, I can't even tell you. I was not like going to the nines in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, like, it was. I mean, my my uh, my contractor, which again, I didn't make a mansion. It's like not that special. It was like like three. I think it was over three fifty, like three eighty or something. Or I forget what. I'd have to look it back up. But just to build out alone. Just to build out. Wow. Okay. So rewind a little bit. How'd you find the location? I got a realtor, like, oh gosh, it's one of the, like, medical ones, car. Car, okay. Car realtor. I mean, I wish that I had gotten someone else at this point. Why? My landlord is the worst part of my business. He has actually, like, I have actually considered selling because of my landlord. Like, legitimately considered, like, maybe I just need to sell. I don't what is he doing? Boss. What is he not doing? He's a... <laughs> what is he that dude? It's really bad. I mean, he's a, he's abusive. Isn't oh wow! It? He's like a bully, an abusive bully. It's really bad. Get, really bad. Give me like any examples. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the first one was he said that this whole building or advertised this whole building as a hundred percent commercial space. So great. We start construction. All that. It comes out maybe you know like a quarter of the way through construction that the built there's units above me which are permitted for residential so they're not residential right now but they have permanent permits to become residential Hmm. which means that i had to create a two-hour fire rated ceiling in between my office and the one above me and the bill that unit above me that cost $50,000. And it was absolutely something that he was hiding because he knew that. He knew that it was going to cost that much. So car should have caught on? or Yeah, it's like car should have been catching on to the fact that after construction was finished, I'm like trying to figure out like, how can you talk to this person? Like they must know me, you know, they got it. Well, and in the meantime, I was like calling my landlord and he's like yelling at me. What? Yeah, like hardcore like yelling at me telling me all this he threatens me all the time with evicted. i mean all the time i can't even imagine how many times i've been threatened to be that i'm going to be evicted and like i'm not doing anything <laughs> so yeah i'm just kind of like going down a rabbit hole but he no it's good it's good i like overcharged i mean he tried to charge me like triple what my common area maintenance should be wow. you know yeah you know what kind of, yeah so he's like it's like I have to go through the culinary maintenance with like a fine tooth comb and like find that he's trying to charge me half of the taxes for seven buildings around me. Are you serious? Yeah. He's literally billing that to me. And then when I'm like, okay, I need some time to go over this because like it doesn't seem right. He's like, Jenny, this is the last time I'm going to be dealing with this. The courts are open on Monday and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Really? What do you do in that scenario when he does, says all that? You know, the thing is, is, it's extremely stressful. That's the reason that I've thought about like getting out is because being threatened all the time is just, even if I'm in the right, 
it's like, I don't know that, you know, I'm a small, I'm totally a small business that is being taken advantage of by, by this landlord who owns half of the town I'm in and knows, you know, he, he's been through this. He knows what he can say, what he can get away with. He knows what the, all the laws are. I don't. So, you know, I have to hire a lawyer then to tell me all these things, which costs money. So, and it's like, I'm a startup. Like how much money do I have to be wasting on figuring it out? my landlord and then it's every single three months that it's an issue because he bills me for common area maintenance every three months and every single time it's an issue every time since I started when did you start 2019 November oh my gosh every three months we have like a big you know like takes me to court oh my gosh every single time if I don't hear from you by blah 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 dude man he needs to like would you I was going to say, like, kind of kill him with kindness, but. No, 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 no. I have tried everything. I have tried it all. I have said, I'm, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I'm really struggling financially. And like, you know, I've tried it from every different angle to like, see if there's any humanity inside of this person. There's none. Is there any around you in your building? Is there any other businesses there or no? There are. But yeah, I, you know, I, it's a weird situation. I. I do really feel like I'm being victimized. It's like a, it's a very isolating experience because you don't know, like, is this just happening to me or is this happening to everyone else? Like, am I being targeted? And like, do you want to talk to like what I also, I mean, he's also said things to like my staff members. So it's like, who can you trust? Like, what's it gonna, I don't know. Like, do I want, I haven't become that close to the people in the other buildings because of, because of this. Because I'm like, yeah, just anxious about what's going on. You don't know if you can trust other people. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, so what would you like? I mean, obviously you would like Car to have done more research, but what would you like for them to do now? Like, if you can tell them something like, hey. I mean, I don't think Car can do anything now, but I would have wanted them to have more of my best interests and not just be trying to get me to sign something. Mm-hmm. and be like, you know, hey, you know, I know this deal seems good, but like I looked into the landlord a little bit and he's done X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, I had some conversations. This doesn't exactly seem like legit, you know, or he, it's weird that he's not giving, because we asked for all these different like, I meant like information or that was one thing. Okay, then the other thing was I had a lawyer, the lawyer that I got to review my lease missed a couple of things. Well, he missed one major thing, which was that in my uh, my letter of intent, we agreed to me having 10 tons, two units of five tons mm-hmm. for HVAC. And in the lease, it's actually, it only got to be, it's only one unit of five tons. So like what we agreed to, what we signed in the letter of ten, intent isn't actually in the lease, which is, yes, my fault. I mean, for sure, but also this is why I'm hiring someone because a lease is extremely tedious to go over where you have no background. And I was doing a million things. So I missed it. It cost me $18,000. And yeah. Man. Okay. So did you ever go back and tell the attorney like, what the heck? Yes. What happened there? Basically nothing. I mean, what should I do? What do you do? He was like, yes. I mean, he agreed that he missed it. Oh, my gosh. And then the other thing that I really wish I had was a capped cam. (laughs) Common area maintenance, I think, should always be capped. Because the thing that my landlord does is that he owns the businesses. 
businesses that do our landscaping, that do the accounting, that do the snow removal. So he just charges whatever he feels like. He does the management. He just, whatever he feels like that week. He owns Massachusetts. Like, yeah, I mean, it. he just is like, okay, I want more money. So I'm going to change how much I get paid. And you have to pay it or else you could be evicted. Kind of like a weird economy going on over there. A monopoly. I don't know <laughs> what to call it. It's kind of weird. Like, uh, here's the thing. If you did leave your location, do you know where you would go? Like building wise? Or yes. Location. No, I think if I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not planning on leaving. You know, I, I'm planning on being for 10 years. And then if he is still alive, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I will leave. Yeah. <laughs> is he that, is he that like older already? He's or? older, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Man, his son takes over. He's worse. <laughs> wow. uh, I know. But, right? I mean, I think I would just at this point, I just want to own a piece of property. I'm the own landlord. It's. We had like all this big flood through here from his unit. He blames it on me. The toilet's back up from his unit. I have to fix it. It's just like. He doesn't want to do any of the work. No. And then he just doesn't. He just won't pay. He just won't do it. And then what are you going to do? Yeah. I can sue him. I mean, it's what like I talked to a lawyer. They're like, yeah, you can sue him. It's going to cost a year of your life and you probably will win. But yeah, still from one to this is like a big range, but one to a hundred, like. Every single day, how much is this in the percentage wise affecting your day to days where you're like, like even your internally where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I think at this point, you know, other than the two weeks around the cam, you know, like when we're dealing with the cam or that month, you know, like when it comes up on the days that it comes up, it probably is like a hundred, you know, it's like all I can think about when it's really stressful. But for the most part at this point, it's not in my day to day. That's good. I mean, it still would be ideal to not, you know what I mean, experience yeah. different. So, I mean, it's probably like 10 days in my year. 10 days. Okay. So, that's a lot. You know, you don't want to be wasting. I can't imagine how many therapy sessions I've like used on. On, on your landlord? I mean, really. I, I've never had to be in a relationship with someone like this. I, you know, usually when you're in a relationship, if it's not working and you feel like you're being abused by someone, then you can walk away. This is a situation where I don't have that luxury. And it's, I mean, it's really bad. What's the, I mean, I don't know if I can even ask this or not, but like in your sessions, when you talk about this, what's like the suggestion or the antidote here? Okay. So, I mean, first of all, my therapist, like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like, it's like, I'm so sorry. You know, it's really horrible. But um, one thing that she was suggesting is like when it's, it feels, well, okay. So, two things. One is, it was like, imagine when your life is free of him. Like when, you know, you feel like this is really taking over and like you're being, um, you know, taken advantage of by someone. When are you free of that? And it was like, you know, my future, like looking into my future and I'm free of that in my future. And just knowing that this is not forever. And you, your life is, you know, like my life is wonderful. And I have this glorious future ahead of me. So those are the two things? That was one thing. I think she had like this other suggestion, which didn't work as well for me. It was just like imagining how far away he has to be from me to like not have it affect me. And when I was in that situation, I was like, no, there's no distance. I just feel it. <laughs> yeah. You can just feel like the the stress of it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like I like the first one where you, it's true, Jenny, you have so much going right in your life. It's good to just focus on that. And then 
I mean, life is life. So we are going to, it's seasons, right? There's going to be good seasons, bad seasons, just like in nature. Yeah. But um, that's interesting. So kind of transitioning a little bit besides that, inside of the business, now that you're open, up and running, how is that looking? How, how are you growing? Did you stay? Did the pandemic totally yeah. destroy everything? So I'd say the pandemic helped us in a way, helped us with getting patients because we are in a suburb and a lot of people stopped going into their jobs in the cities. So a lot of those people who used to go to the dentist near their office, they now came to us. So, and they also didn't have anywhere else to be going because it was during the middle of the pandemic. So they were like happy to be coming to the dentist. It was like social hour for them. Yeah. So from that perspective, yeah, I feel like we had a lot of, I mean, I was open four months before we closed for the pandemic. And then once we opened, I mean, we started getting, until like two months ago, we were booked out for three months for new patient appointments. It has been where I had own slot. Yeah, which was not what I wanted. But the biggest issues with the pandemic has been staffing. I still, I'm down a front desk person right now and have been honestly for the past like eight months. We've been like, someone starts, doesn't work out. Um, so nothing's been steady there. Really quick, new patients. How many new patients yeah. are you getting a month? So probably 30 to 40. I have three ops. That's a and, lot. Yeah. And I mean, so when we're open three, we see patients three days a week. So. My business, I mean, I'm a so startup practice, yeah. but everyone's business is different, right? And everyone, what do people want for their business is different. I'm shooting for a smaller boutique style, fee for service, keep it like low stress. Not, I don't want, I have one hygienist now, I don't want more, hmm. uh, at least not for the next four years. Yeah. So of- I'm not like a, we're not trying to grow big. I'm, and right now we're actually in the process of, dropping all PPOs, which I started and I took most. I did, I did contract negotiations, I think with PPO profits. Mm-hmm. So I started with a lot of insurance because I was too scared to go without and try to start deeper service. And I'm still glad I did because I don't think I had the stomach for that. But now, you know, over the next, by this year, December, we'll be out of network with all PPOs. That's cool. You're just doing it on your own? Like you're dropping it or, you, or what are you doing? Yeah. I had, I dropped Delta last July and our next big one's BCBS May 1st. Mm-hmm. I started working, I actually hired a consultant. I hired Blatchford. Uh, I started with them in November and that helps that like, one of the pe- people say that Blatchford helps a lot with dropping insurance and I'm not saying they don't, but it's not the specific reason I hired them. What was the specific reason you hired? So I. I'm a business owner now. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> if, we're, if we're all being perfectly honest, yeah. <laughs> how many years did it take you to become semi-proficient at dentistry? Like, I feel like it was like a good five before you were like, okay, like I kind of got this. Mm-hmm. So I've been a business owner for two and a half. And I, you know, I feel like we got our feet underneath us. Um, our finances are stable. They're not amazing, but they're, we're doing what we need to do. and. At this point, I just wanted to get an education on how to be, a, how to lead the business. Like I kind of felt like I didn't have a roadmap anymore for what I was supposed to be doing or where I wanted to go with the business. And I wanted help with how, what am I supposed to be doing here? And how do I become a really great leader and owner? Why'd you pick uh, Blatchford? 
Um, I felt like Blatchford, I felt like the people who've used Blatchford get their practices look like what I want. Like their lives, their practices, you know, their businesses look like what I want, which is, again, I'm not looking to be the most, I'm not looking to be the biggest, I'm probably looking to be like the smallest and doing high-end dentistry. And I felt like that was in line with what their skill set was. So with Blatchford, they kind of gave you the roadmap, right? With um, how you want your business. So far, the roadmap. For I thought they were going to give me a roadmap. <laughs> what did they give you then? Well, I mean, I think they, they empower you to create your own roadmap. Have you? Have I? To some extent. I don't know. So the program, the, the engagement with them is 18 months. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you in 18 months. But they they help with, you know, goal setting and um, like answering a lot of those little questions that I'm like, what, like, am I, is this what is right? Like just helping me with like that. Am I doing the right thing here? Mm-hmm. And that gives me a lot of peace of mind um, to be like, yes, this is, you know, we've done this, that or the other, and this is what works. So I guess in a way they do have a room note because it's, it's like, um, you know, someone telling you, okay, these are the things you want and um, let's look at how we're going to get there. And we know we, we know we can get there. We know these things work to get there. So yeah. let's stop because I feel like in my mind, I keep having questions of like, am I doing the right thing? No, oh, yeah, that happens a lot, especially if like you start scrolling through social media and you're like, well, they're doing fantastic and they've only been open for like a couple months. What about, you know what I mean? And then you start complaining and doing, you go down that rabbit hole. You don't want to do that. So I can get you. But when it comes to, are you breaking even already or no? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you consider breaking even? I feel like we're breaking even. Like. Wait, what is breaking even? I'm, this is me as a business owner. Yeah. This is what I need help. <laughs> breaking even is like all, every, all expenses can be covered yes. with what my practice is making. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Are you paying yourself? Yes. Okay. So what's your, if you don't mind me asking, give me like a range. What's yeah. like collections looking like every month? So somewhere between 60 and 80. Okay. 60 and 80 a month. And your break in order to like break, break even. even. Without me, without my paycheck. Yeah. So the break even I think is like 30. Okay. But I always feel like then the rest just goes to me. But somehow I don't get $30,000 every month. You know, it's like people are listening like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, this is like an ongoing thought that I have. I'm like, where does all and, and I have I, I use HDA accounting. So it's like it's all there for me. And I still like how they say that's the break even. But I did not get thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. I, I uh, especially this year when I was doing taxes, I was like, where did this go? Where's all this happening? Like I'm over here thinking like. Can I afford frozen yogurt today or Chick-fil-A? <laughs> yeah. Like, should we do this? You know? Yeah. The wife's like, yeah. But so I, I 100%. Okay. Keep this in mind, Jenny. You are 60 to 80. How many employees do you have? Right now we have two. Okay. So don't, hey, lean and efficient, right? That's, that's well, I need good. three. It's, I need mean, you too much work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, at least you know. You need yeah. three, right? You're lean. You're efficient. You're open three days a week. And you're doing between 60 to 80. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah so we're like, um, we're 12, yeah, 12 days a month is basically what we, 12 patient days. So what's the goal for you then? When is it where you're like, I made it? Oh, yeah. So my goals are I 
want to be, I mean, and I don't know what everyone else's goals are. And people have all sorts of amazing things that they say, but these are my goals. Yeah. It's I want to be taking home 25 a month after taxes. And uh, I want to be like 80 every single 12 days. You know, like, I just want it to be 80. Um, I also, my other main goals that I'm working towards are I'm going to start ACD accreditation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. And we're, you know, working this year and taking six weeks off, and then eight weeks in the future. And I think really my goal is to enjoy my life and to love dentistry and love what I do and be passionate about it and keep growing and keep enjoying it. What do you feel is prohibiting you from doing that, from that happening within the next, when 2023 starts? Yeah, all those things. I don't think there's anything keeping me from it. I mean, I think dropping insurance is going to help. <laughs> so yeah. it, just, I, it makes me feel so good when you just get paid what you think that you, you know, like this procedure, I need, you know, like, this is what I want to be getting paid for. This is what I'm worth and getting paid for that. It's really wonderful. So that's, I think, a big one. And then AAC accreditation will take me about five years. So no, that's good. That's interesting. So then throughout this process, uh, Jenny, what's been one of your biggest fails or pitfalls or struggles okay other than the landlord yeah the construction actually i had some construction issues as well but you know other than just starting the business staffing is the hardest part i think (laughs) other than everything else i know a lot of people say or before i opened people would say oh you know staffing i heard people saying staffing is the hardest part and until you live what that feels like I didn't have any idea. Like, I got it. Staffing's really hard. But when someone gives their two weeks notice or doesn't show up or, you know, whatever else it is, walks out during the middle of the day, it's like, it's a big blow, I think, personally. And it's just hard to keep the business going and wondering, like, especially earlier on, like, how am I going to do this without an assistant today? Your team right now, it's a hygienist and an assistant? Yeah. I have eAssist that does our insurance right now. I've tried doing like call force in the past didn't work out for us. Mm-hmm. And see, just silence. That's a new patient right there. Then. This is literally how my life. Yeah. So if, for everyone who's like, you have to pick up every single phone call. That's great. I mean, I, I just, I, there's only so much bandwidth that a person has. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's good to know though. That's yeah, true. I think that was a big one. It's just like letting go. Like we don't have a front desk right now. It's not going to be perfect. The schedule, I mean, it is usually full, but like it may not. If someone cancels, that's just the way it is. And I can't stress out. And no amount of stress is going to make the schedule full if someone cancels the last minute and we don't have a front desk person. I like that. No amount of stress. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. with all that being said, what's the last piece of, or one piece of advice that you want to give our listeners who's going through this process? I think to do what makes sense to you. No one else knows your business. No one else knows your journey. And I'd love for everyone to love what they're doing and to work towards that as their goal and not try to compare to what everyone else is doing. I like that. I like that a lot. Awesome, Jenny. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Um, So Thrive Dental Co. Or I'm on Instagram, Thrive Dental Co. Our website is thrivedental.co. Awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. And Jenny, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. And Jenny, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. We, 
Jenny, we I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you for everything you do and letting me be nosy in your life. We really, really appreciate you. Um, guys, if you have any questions or concerns, you can definitely go in the show notes below. Reach out to Jenny. And at the same time, don't forget, please, please, please let me know how I'm doing. Uh, we're at almost 100 reviews on iTunes. So if you guys could please just, you know what I mean? After this episode, you're like, you know, it was a great episode. Let me go leave a review, right? And then let me know how I'm doing. Also, guys, don't forget to join the Facebook group, the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. It's going to be in the show notes below. Uh, in there, we talk about this episode. We talk with our guests. We A lot of our sponsors provide exclusive deals in that Facebook group. So if you want, go, you know what I mean? Join. It's free to join and you'll be a part of the the family, the Dental Marketer Society family, right? And uh, last but not least, guys, if you want, I'm going to put a link in the show notes below. Uh, join my newsletter. I'm not going to bombard you with a ton of emails or anything like that. It's literally me talking to you and I'm providing you with the, you know, specific stuff that you want. Uh, and it's not every day or anything like that. It's, I believe I'm right now, I'm currently doing it every other week and uh, I'm just literally giving you guys meat and potatoes of specific mainly like marketing stuff but also stuff that we discuss with guests on our episodes before and after we record and um we i kind of provided that for you guys in there as well Uh, so yeah if you want more of that then feel free to join my newsletter i'm going to put a link in the show notes below as well so guys thank you guys so much for tuning in i truly appreciate you and i'll talk to you in the next episode